you cruising through life not always knowing what direction you were headed? Let Live On Purpose with Dr. Paul Jenkins be your guide. Live On Purpose will give you insights into your life and show you how you can become the driver and captain of it. No more aimless wandering. By learning the principles that govern happiness and wealth, you will be able to make personal progress that you have only dreamed possible. And now, here's your host, the shrink who expands your life, Dr. Paul. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life. Happy to be here with you again, and I've got an exciting show lined up for today. There's a couple of things about this show that I want to give you a little heads up to. I've got a guest with me. I'm going to introduce him in just a minute. Uh, This is an example to me of how relationships are so important. And in saying that, I want to acknowledge my wife, Vicki, and you've met her before. I've had her on the show, uh, who is out there doing some pretty fun things. One of the things that Vicki has just over the past couple of years started to do is that she, she likes to do a little acting in uh, primarily musicals in a local theater here in Utah County called the Hale Center Theater. And you can look that one up online if you want to check that one out a little bit. But uh, in some of these shows that Vicky has been in, she's formed some, some really great associations and friendships. And one of the people that she ran into is actually my guest on the show here today. And I've seen Rick in a number of productions. He's a phenomenal actor. He has this fantastic voice. And he's also done some things on the entrepreneurial side of life that I find inspiring and also... it. it presents a story that I think a lot of you are going to be able to really relate to and hopefully glean something from that that's going to help you to live more on purpose. So I want to introduce Mr. Rick Prittis. Hi. Hello, Rick. So glad you're with me here today. <laughs> Thank you. Glad to be here. Just a little bit of background. I, was, uh, I pulled up your website, Rick, and uh, for those of you who are following along at home, I'm at Prittis, P-R-I-D-D-I-S dot com. And on the About page, there's, a, there's just a little blurb here that I'm going to use to sort of introduce where you're coming from. Okay. And then you can clear up anything that I say wrong. But after all, you published this, so. <laughs> it says here, 25 years ago, the only accompaniment option available to most singers was finding a friend who could play the piano. I wanted something better. Like lots of singers, I dreamed of singing with my own live band, but I soon discovered that pulling a band together... And dragging them around town was not always practical. So I looked to the music stores for something else to use. All I found was sheet music. And this is something we've experienced in our family because, as you know, Rick, Vicki is a singer. She's got a beautiful voice. She does. And uh, years and years and years ago, we wanted to do, I can't remember what what it was even for, a talent show or something, but but we wanted to sing something. Mm -hmm. Same problem. Yep. And luckily, we discovered Prittis music, because that's what solved our problem. You know, people probably don't even think about that nowadays. There's so much music out there, recorded music. It's mm-hmm. probably hard to imagine that there was nothing 25 years ago, really, to sing to. Well, this is in the days before karaoke. Right. In fact, you mentioned that uh, in part of this history. I'll just uh, share the rest of this, because I think it's interesting. In 1984, I decided if I didn't make my dream happen, perhaps no one would. 
So I pooled my resources and went into the recording studio to get started. Someone else on the other side of the world had the same idea because soon after that, along came the karaoke craze. (laughs) So you acknowledged that on your website. Although karaoke wasn't exactly what I had in mind, it proved very helpful in getting the message out that anyone could sing with their own band. As the popularity of karaoke grew, it became evident that there were two types of karaoke products, cheap karaoke music for lots of laughs and professional performance music for serious singers, which is also fun, by the way. Mm -hmm. Through the years, we have focused on providing professional quality music to singers who are serious about what they are doing. As a singer myself, the most important requirement for these recordings was to make them sound as close to the original artist as possible. I wanted to sound just as good as what I was hearing on the radio. That meant using the best musicians and recording facilities in the business. We're going to talk about that a little too. Okay. Live instrumentation wherever called for and spending the time and money to ensure that the recordings were professional in every way. I think you'll agree we have achieved that. So as an introduction, Rick, to you and to to one of your companies, I think you have more than one, is that right? Uh-huh, I do. Uh, Prittis Music. Uh, is your attempt to bring something to the world that wasn't there previously to solve a problem that people were experiencing and to increase the quality of life for human beings on this rock. Right. That's the whole essence of entrepreneurism to start with. Yeah, you know, uh, it's interesting, something we didn't talk about before. Um, We we discussed a little bit before the program. Uh, The thing that really started me into uh, being an entrepreneur was when I was in high school, actually. I lived in California, and there was a drought going on. And somebody in my neighborhood suggested that um, they'd like me to, to to build a well for them, to drill a well by hand. Uh, we only had to go down 10 feet to get water. Uh-huh. And and he paid me a lot of money to do it, and so I did it. And I, I liked it so much that I thought, I want to work for myself for the rest of my life. Mm. And that was a little spark that somebody put into me. And so after I got married... I said, I, I tried working for a lot of different people, and and I said, you know, I, I just can't do this because I had this taste of working for myself when I was in high school, and I dug a lot of wells for different people. Um, I thought, what can I do to work for myself? And it's funny that I didn't zero in on music, what I really loved at first. I tried mm-hmm. all kinds of things. I tried being a mm-hmm. chimney sweep. I tried doing all sorts of weird things. And finally, I realized I need to go after what I really love. And it took wow. me a while to get to that point, to... to to have the not only the courage but the um, the faith in myself to decide that I could really do what I really wanted to do, you know, because a lot of times we think, oh, I I can never do that. My parents used to tell me, oh, don't be a musician; you'll just sing in bars all your life. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it took me a little bit to go, okay, yeah, let's go after music. Sometimes we write off the things that w- that we love the most, yep. that we're mo- most passionate about, because it's been drilled into our heads somewhere along the line that. Work is miserable, right? You know, and you got to be really kind of not enjoying yourself to to really be working. Yeah, and uh, that's just not true. Yep. So I'm glad that I uh, that I started out really going after what I really wanted to do. It took me a while to get there, mm-hmm. and uh, but then I just uh, I said, okay, I'm like I said in my little description there. I, I pulled my resources and I went in the recording studio and I and I tried doing it, and it wasn't the greatest when I started out. It was, mm-hmm. uh, it was, it was not that great, <laughs> but, but I started at that point and I, and I moved forward and, uh, you know, it really took a lot of, um, what, well, just faith 
to, to, to move forward and say, I'm going to try this. It takes a lot of, a lot of guts. I guess that's what it is, yeah. To step up and move forward with your dream. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of predictable hurdles that you have to overcome in getting there. Um, one of the things that you just commented, Rick, you said it was not that great. Right. Now, I've, I've been buying Pritis music <laughs> since you sold them on cassette tapes. And some of our audience probably doesn't even know what a cassette tape is. Right. You know, there's, there's, it, it, there, we tend to look at people who are successful, and I consider myself to be successful now, uh, and think that they were that way right from the beginning, that they didn't make mistakes. Mm-hmm. There's something that most people don't know, and that is when I first started out, I was just a kid, I was 24 years old, and uh, we went in a recording studio and made great music. But then on the flip side of the cassette, we wanted to have a vocal demo so people could hear how the music goes, how the song goes. And I decided mm-hmm. I'll just sing all of those myself. I thought I had a good voice. But not only the boys' songs, but I sang the girls' songs too. I thought, well, nobody, <laughs> nobody really cares how it sounds. They just want to hear how the melody goes, right? Right. So I did it, and um, I got so much criticism from that from people, uh, so many bad comments, not knowing that it was me that was singing. They'd comment on that terrible singer, you know, the singing Can't you those get girls' songs. Who can really sing? Yeah, <laughs> and that affected me so. It had such an impact on me that I kind of curled up in a ball, and I didn't sing again for about ten years. And I don't oh, think people wow. realize that. Uh, I still continue my business. I always had other singers come in to sing it. I finally mm. decided um, I've got to break out of this. And so I decided I'm going to go take some voice lessons again just to get back my confidence. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember my first voice lesson, I just was sweating profusely because I was so petrified because people had oh, criticized really? me uh-huh. in a roundabout way so much. And now I'm performing again, and I'm, like you said, I'm, I'm acting and, and I'm loving life mm-hmm. again as far as performing and singing goes. But, um, you know, you take a chance, you start a business, and you do things wrong. And, uh, and that's just one effect that I had on me uh, mm-hmm. when, I, when I made a little mistake. Luckily, mm-hmm. I continued on. But most people don't know that about me. Well, what a common experience that is, too. How how likely is it that someone who's starting out with a new business or trying to pursue a dream of theirs, how likely is it that they're going to goof up, they're going to make a mistake somewhere? Yeah, we all goof up. I'm thinking it's 100% likely. Yep. yep. And uh, I don't know how much Robert Kiyosaki you've read. I, I have. Uh, in, I can't remember which book it was. It was probably Who Took My Money or maybe Rich Dad, Poor Dad where he said something about if you want to become more successful faster, get better at making mistakes faster. Mm-hmm. I've heard that. And uh, it's really true. And when you lose your fear of the mistakes, uh, you're able to move forward in a way that you really couldn't before. So I, I think we've set the stage here for some interesting discussion. Um, for your benefit, Rick, I, I know that uh, you're somewhat new to this show. I am. But we have a lot of listeners who are very entrepreneurial-minded, who are wanting to do, like you, like you said, you know, to establish some kind of a career that they love and where they're working for themselves rather than, you know, getting stuck in some kind of a corporate structure where they don't have a lot of control over what's going on you've had some experience with this that I think will help people to relate to how to get from from that starting point to where you can actually start living a dream. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you think of yourself as living a dream because it's just your life, right? I mean, 
Yeah, you know, it's interesting that uh, after so many years, we really have to take a minute and just look back and appreciate where we are, because mm-hmm. there are always challenges no matter where you are in life. But um, but it's true, I am living a dream, and uh, but but we have to look back and go, yeah, I see that point that's gone well for me. I see that. I see where I'm. Um, actually, I wanted this many years ago, and now I have it. But mm-hmm. if we don't sit and recognize it, it just goes right by us. I had a powerful experience with one of my clients around that same issue. I've known him for a long time. And at one point, I think this was probably close to 10 years ago, we had sat down and made a list, a physical list of the things that he would like to see in his life if it didn't suck. You know, yeah. <laughs> This is what my <laughs> life would look like if it weren't so terrible. Mm-hmm. And he listed these things. We went, We pulled it out just a month ago, and we went over it every single thing he's accomplished. Amazing. And it's inspiring to see that. Sure is. Well, we've got a couple of directions to go with this. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this commercial. If the pile of books you want to read is growing faster than the pile you have read, then Abundant Reading Systems can help you. After taking Abundant Reading Systems course, I dramatically increased my ability to expand my knowledge in a much more efficient way. My fastest test today was in 7,000 words per minute. I highly recommend this program. From what I've seen it do for other people who've been through the entire program and from what I've seen in myself today. I've teamed up with Abundant Reading Systems to offer a single-day intensive speed reading workshop that will at least double your reading speed, guaranteed. This belief started to grow inside of me that I thought, oh, I can really do this. I can read you know, as fast as I let myself read and uh, ended up doubling my time, my speed reading time, which was really good. This is David Hinton, founder of Abundant Reading Systems. I want to personally invite you to join us for our next event. Visit AbundantReadingSystems.com now. Abundant Reading Systems, reading at the speed of imagination. This is Ross Kellen Moore of Creation Tree Coaching, and I've got two questions for you. Who are you? What do you want? You see, I've figured out that you and I can absolutely create anything that we really want. But to do that, we've got to be absolutely clear on who we really are and what we really want. So what do you want? More financial abundance? More fulfilling relationships? A higher level of health and fitness? How about finding your work that allows you to create massive value for others in the way that you love most? Welcome to Creation Tree Coaching. We are the world's premier provider of abundance, education, and resources. We are here to help you create the life you really love. Begin now at creationtreecoaching.com. Check out our live teleseminar classes and podcasts. Get to know our coaches and schedule a coaching session. Explore training for your business and employees. Welcome to Creation Tree Coaching and a whole new world that you create on purpose. Rick, I think there's probably a lot of people listening in today who have something going on in their life. They they want to create some kind of 
some kind of business or they want to develop some idea that they have or pursue some dream that they have and they're not quite sure where to start or they would like some mentoring from someone who's been through it. Okay. And so I'm going to take advantage of this opportunity where we have a seasoned entrepreneur here. <laughs> I'm going to give you all kinds of labels. Just be ready, okay? All right. Uh, a seasoned entrepreneur who's had some experience. What have you found? What are some of the the key factors, principles, ideas that you think people ought to understand as they as they endeavor to to go forward with this? Well, one of the big things I've learned over the years is, you know, we. I, I was a workaholic when I started out, and it's good to work hard. But, um, you know, I, I used to even hate holidays. Isn't that strange? I mean, mm-hmm. because... Because it shut down your productivity. It, yeah, I wanted to keep working. I wanted my employees. I hated giving my, my employees days off. Uh, I was a real Grinch, I guess. Um, but I thought if I worked hard at it enough myself with my own abilities that I could make it happen. And in a way, I, I was able to. But over the years, I've found that um, if I don't force it, if I have a clear idea of what I want, but I don't necessarily detail exactly how I want it to happen, that things will come to me and circumstances will arise that will uh, accomplish that. I still have to work at it. But I've lately been thinking of, uh, I think it's The Price is Right, where they have door number one, door number two, door, door oh, number three. Yeah. Sure. And and my tendency in the beginning was, I want door number one, and I'm going to work my tail off to get that, whatever it is, because mm-hmm. I think that's the answer. And and so often I've found that if I just trust and believe and work at it, but keeping my mind open to uh, whatever might come along, that door number three is the one that I really want, but I just don't know it yet. Mm-hmm. So I have to have I have to have to trust and and allow that to to take place. Uh, a good example is I um, I remember I really wanted to get my product into Kmart, and I worked my mm. tail off to get it, and I I did everything that I could to get it in there, and um, and it worked. I got it in there. It about you, destroyed you my business. Pushed it right on in. Huh? I pushed it. I forced it. Uh, worked my tail off, and uh, and I thought I'd arrived. Okay, now I'm in Kmart, and 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 life will be wonderful. It was a nightmare, and and I don't mm. I don't mean to not Kmart because uh, mm-hmm. I don't know who's listening, <laughs> but uh, but it turns out that it that it about destroyed my business, and uh, just because of the particular circumstances related to you in that mm-hmm. yeah, situation there, that you created. There are ways that I've discovered that they work with little guys that uh, really wasn't wasn't healthy for our business. Mm-hmm. And as I look back, I think I would have been a lot better off not to have forced that. And, and I'm sure that other situations would have come along. On the other hand, I worked with uh, one of the largest record store chains in the country. Uh, it was the Musicland Group. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just kind of came to us. It was a strange thing. I mean, I, mm. I was out looking, I was out working hard, but it just kind of happened. And, uh, you know, people might hear that and go, well, you just are lucky. I think we look at people as being lucky, and um, mm. but I, I, I look at it more as allowing. I, I allowed mm-hmm. it to happen, and they were our bread and butter for years and years. They're bankrupt now because technology has changed, and nobody goes to the record stores anymore. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, but but that brings along another point: is I got to a point where, you know, it was so much work to take care of 
those thousand stores that they had and all of the other independent mm-hmm. dealers we had. And I thought, wouldn't it be great if I could just turn this operation over to a distributor who would take our orders and fulfill the orders and take care of our inventory and all of that so that I could be more free to just develop the music and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I forced the issue. I, I chose a distributor and I said, we want you to handle all of our distribution and, and all of our order fulfillment. Mm-hmm. And so I made it happen. And it just about broke me again. And so I had to bring it all back in-house. And then I tried another time, and it, and it about broke me. It just didn't work because I was forcing it. Then technology changed. All of a sudden, the record stores went away. And uh, here we weren't selling as many CDs anymore. Everything is going to downloads. And it scared me to death. I thought, what am I going to do? And now that I'm looking back, um, it's, it's what I always wanted but it wasn't something that I had forced. <laughs> so who's your distributor now? <laughs> now, now it's all uh, iTunes and things uh, like iTunes, that. Yeah, yeah, it comes comes over the internet. I don't have inventory to worry about. I went from twenty employees down to six. Um, that the money just comes in, and uh, I mean it's not that easy, right? But um, it, it really, looking back, is what I really wanted. And mm-hmm. this time, I didn't force it. It just kind of developed. Mm-hmm. Every time I've tried to force it, and I've tried to just work, 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 work with my own knowledge and ability alone, it, it hasn't worked. So this is, this is a tricky issue because I think that there's a sensitive balance between, like you're saying, not forcing it, but at the same time having a clear image of what it is that you want to create. Right. And, and using due diligence to move toward that and to do everything within your power to bring about that dream that you have. Right. And I certainly am still working hard. I mm-hmm. am. But it's amazing where the answers come from and where the, the opportunities come from. Um, mm-hmm. They show up. And, and I can't explain it. But, uh, you know, we'll have, uh, uh, say, uh, 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 nowadays, uh, a TV show that wants to use our music they'll just call up on the phone and say hey can we use your music and i never would have thought of calling them i never would have you know marketed mm-hmm. to them but here they here they showed up and it and and so often it's been an answer to a problem that i've had and uh mm-hmm. I, I just can't explain it <laughs> except that except well, that i'm allowing it more now mm-hmm. And you've learned, haven't you? This is interesting too, Rick, because there's there's so many inspirational writers and just people that I've interviewed on the show and other people who are saying the same thing. Right. And when you hear it so consistently from so many people, there's got to be something there that is a principle or an eternal truth or a natural law, whatever you want to call it, that is governing these common experiences that people are having. And I've thought about this one that you're describing. Uh, there's, there's a principle in, in physics called sympathetic resonance, which is that if something's vibrating at a certain frequency, uh, then other things that are of that same frequency are going to be vibrating with it. Right. And the obvious example that I've shared before is the tuning fork. And you, you snock one of those things and you get it ringing. Mm-hmm. And you hold it up next to a harp the string that corresponds with that same frequency or pitch is going to start vibrating as well. Yep. And it has something to do with that. What kind of a what kind of energy are you are you bringing to this thing? Well, you know, I've always had desire and I've always I've always wanted things and worked toward them, but now I'm doing more what you're talking about. I actually have 
a vision book, a binder where I have my specific goals and I detail them and I, mm-hmm. I have vision statements and, and, and I'm, I focus on exactly what it is that I want to accomplish, but I don't mm-hmm. necessarily say how that's going to happen. I, I work toward it. And so I'm every day focused on these certain goals that I want. And, and then I mm-hmm. look for how they're going to, how they're going to arrive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do have to work. I, I, here's an example that, uh, I hope isn't too off track, but, uh, I got for my birthday last year, a ticket to go see, uh, Wayne Dyer. I've, I've oh, learned yeah. to enjoy Wayne Dyer. He was in California mm-hmm. and he was, uh, filming a PBS special and, uh, I wanted to bring my wife with me, but it turned out that the, that the event was sold out. But I said, let's, let's go anyway. I want you to come with me. So we got to the event. There's a long line of people waiting to get in. I, I still couldn't buy a ticket. It was sold out. So I thought, okay, I'm going to use the law of attraction. <laughs> I'm going uh-huh. to get a ticket. And so I, I started thinking in my mind, I want a ticket, right? And, and uh-huh. I'm walking up and down, but I didn't say anything. Nobody came up with a ticket. I kept having this thought in my mind, I really need to open my mouth. Uh-huh. And I think that's part of the concept. I, I still have to work. I still have to do something. But I had these right. positive thoughts. I, I, I believe that I'll be able to get a ticket. So I finally, the doors were opening. All of a sudden, the line started moving. And I thought, I've got to open my mouth. So I just said, hey, anybody have a ticket that they can sell? First person in the line said, oh, I have an extra one. They're a $50 ticket. She says, oh, just take it. And there, and there I had it. And I so thought, not only did you get a ticket. I got it for free. You got it at a deep discount. But I, I, it's kind of a... a you know, personal story that people mm-hmm. may laugh at, but uh, for me, it was uh, it was a good example. You know, and I had, but mm-hmm. I had to open my mouth. Well, you know, this whole law of attraction thing has been such a buzz lately. You know, especially since the movie The Secret came right. out, and there's there's positive buzz and there's negative buzz about uh, it. But everybody has an opinion, right? right? And you said something though that I think is so important, and that is that that the imagery, you know, having that clear picture of what it is that you want, I think is an essential component for bringing that into your life. Yeah. I I don't think anything exists without it first existing as a thought. It's part of the process, but don't leave out the important principle of work. Yeah. Work and industry. Which which actually brings it about. Well, let me give you another example. I uh, I've always wanted my own recording studio. It, it seems strange, doesn't it, that I've been in this twenty five years recording music. We have three thousand songs, and I never had my own studio. Um, I fell into this. But you always wanted. One. I always wanted one, uh-huh. but I never felt for some reason like I should have it. I fell into this trap where I I kind of felt like. I was ashamed when I did get success. Like if I had a nice studio or I had a nice car, or I had a nice house that I, I wanted those things, but I didn't want people to know that I had them. <laughs> but um, we're going to have to work that over a little bit yeah, more, but, but, but going, going on with what I wanted to, uh, to talk about is in, in, in relation to this studio, I started remodeling a big warehouse we have where we used to store our, our CDs. Now we don't need the storage space. So I thought I'm going to build my studio in there. I got started remodeling, and all of a sudden the, the mortgage crisis happened where it's so much harder to get financing. And so here I am, this is just recently, in the middle of the remodeling, and I can't seem to get the financing I need for whatever reason. Um, but I kept believing. I said, I, this is what I want. I kept focusing on it. Uh, what finally happened, to make a long story short, is <clears throat> I started going on the, on the Internet, and I started applying for strange types of financing there, and what it did is it attracted somebody to me that I never in a million years would have thought of. And it was a, it was a lease mm. company. And he says, I've got this really creative... And, and he contacted me to see if I 
needed this or that. And I said, well, no. Mm-hmm. And I thought, now, wait a minute. I'll tell him this thing that I'm needing, this financing. Mm-hmm. He came up with the most creative financing I've ever heard of in my life, and it took care of my, my studio remodel. I never in a million years would have gone looking for him. But, but he, came, he came to me. But I had to go start looking on the internet myself. Let's continue that after this next break. This is Shay Larson, IdeaOrbit.com, with the World of Ideas Report. Traffic is more accurately defined as people. People are coming and going. They are entering and leaving. They are waiting and hurrying. It would be worth a great deal to business owners that deal with people traffic to understand why they are coming and going, what causes them to stay or leave, and more to the point, what causes them to buy when they are there. Loyal Pennings is a nightclub owner from California. He had an idea that could change business for anyone interested in the traffic caused by people. He calls his device the Wickler. The Wickler is a wireless headcount clicker. But that is just the beginning. As people enter his bars, the Wickler not only keeps track that they entered, but it knows how long they stayed, when they ordered, what they ordered, what music was playing when they ordered, and even all the circumstances of the club when they left. The Wickler is attached to an online database where Pennings can look at the data and make powerful decisions about how to run his club. The Wickler is now being made available for anyone needing to know a little more about the traffic that graces their businesses. The Wickler truly is an idea for and about people. This is Shay Larson, IdeaOrbit.com, with the World of Ideas Report. I've got a great idea. Wouldn't you like to know? You're probably... This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life. I'm so glad that you've joined me for the Live on Purpose podcast. Please visit my website, drpaul.org. There you can subscribe to my weekly easing, Empower. Browse the events page to get connected with what's coming up or pick up some CDs or other great products. I also want to point you toward our sponsors, creationtreecoaching.com and producerretreats.com. So before the break, Rick, you were you were sharing this story about how a, a solution that you didn't even think about right. sort of presented itself because you had a clarity of what it was you were trying to accomplish. But getting back to that first point that you were that you were mentioning, don't force it; let it come to you. And I'm thinking if you have a clear enough why, the hows will work themselves out. I believe that. And uh, I was having a chat with my daughter the other night who uh, was getting a little frustrated because she she has some unique relationships with her math book mm-hmm. right now, okay? She, <laughs> she's turning 11 next week. 
And she just gets frustrated sometimes with her math assignments. And I was talking to her about it, and I said, well, what do you know to do next? I don't know, Dad. I don't know what to do. I don't know anything about it. And I'm, I tried to help her see that she does know more than she thinks, and she doesn't have to go any farther than she already knows. Mm-hmm. And so I asked her if she knows English, for example, because the problem's written in English, right? right. Start with what you know. And, and the example I shared with her after that was, um, when I'm driving at night, I typically turn on my headlights. But you know what? The darn things don't light up the whole course. It doesn't light up everywhere from here to grandma's house. It just lights up a little ways. True. You know, but you know what? As soon as I get to the end of where it was lit up, it's lighting up some additional space after that. And I'm seeing this as an example of what you're talking about. Do what you know to do. Take the steps that you can see, and then the light will follow you and illuminate the next ones. Yeah, it, it, it's a scary thought, really. I mean, when you first start doing this, um, and, and that's why I keep stories like the Wayne Dyer story. It's a, it's a mm-hmm. kind of a silly little thing almost, but I, I keep track of those and then I can go back and go, mm-hmm. well, this followed, this went okay. And then this one went okay. And, and this financing came through and it helps me build a, uh, a kind of a proof mm-hmm. <laughs> that if I continue doing this, that it's, it's going to work. Well, you can find evidence. Yeah. And you can find evidence either way. If you're looking for the other kind of evidence that things don't work. Can't you find that, yeah, you'll too? you'll find that, that's for sure. You'll find that, too. Yep. I want to come back to something else that you mentioned, though. You, this recording studio, okay, I'm latching onto this because you said something about how this is something you always wanted. Yep. But there was some hesitance inside of you because it was somehow a shameful thing. Right. If you had that, oh, what would people think? You know, oh, look at Rick over there. He thinks he's all that. You know, look at all this. Yep. Isn't that strange? There's something shameful about having what you want. Yeah. Talk about that a little bit. Well, <clears throat> it is the strangest thing. Um, you know, I, I, um, and I, and I, it's helped me to look back now. It's nice to have, uh, what do you call it, uh, rear vision or mm-hmm. uh, looking, in, looking behind you. When when we first got married, I remember we got a little house. It was a it was a kind of a tiny house, and uh, I I was I felt so ashamed that I was young, but I had a house, and and yeah, worried that people were going to say that we're thinking we're better, I guess. And and okay, now maybe Rick, our can culture. I clarify something? Sure. You weren't ashamed that you had a tiny house. No, that was actually a good thing <laughs> that I had a tiny house. Yeah, but that I had a house at my age, I guess. When I thought maybe I shouldn't have that, mm-hmm. um, then when we moved into a bigger house, uh, you know, prices go up and the cost of the land cost as much as our whole house did before. And I thought, oh, this is you know terrible. And we moved into the house, and again, I felt this almost this this kind of shame. I, I was apologetic when people would come to mm-hmm. see it, and, and I remember I got a nice car, and and I. I actually kind of hid it from my employees. I wouldn't, I wouldn't drive it to work <laughs> because I was afraid that... It was doing you, you know, a lot of good, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, a lot of good. Um, yes. And for some reason, that's been, it's hard for me to get over. I, I think I'm pretty much over it now, but uh, it's a strange thing in our society and in our culture that we... Um, mm. I think we really want to be successful. I sure did. I wanted mm-hmm. to have enough money, but then when I got there, it was like, oh, I hope nobody sees me. I got to hide this. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Well, this is a classic dilemma, and it's part of poverty consciousness, 
or or a paradigm of of scarcity. Yeah. Okay. And the and the dilemma is that money or nice things are evil. Yeah. And yet I want more of them. It's like if we get it, we're taking it away from someone else. I think. And I've had to change that paradigm that I'm not taking mm-hmm. it away from anyone else. Every, anyone That's who the does, scarcity piece. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. any in reality, anybody who does similar to what I've done can have what I have. Exactly. And and there isn't scarcity. There's there's abundance. But, um, you know, another interesting component of that. Let's say that uh, that that's true. Okay, that if you have, it's because you took from someone else, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But then part of that dilemma is you're evil because you have all of that money. You should give it to me. Right, right. <laughs> oh, that creates all kinds of psychological garbage yep. that you have to somehow sort through. And, and people might not be completely aware of the way they're processing that psychologically, but it's hitting them hard. And you saw that with the studio. Yeah. You know, and it it really is kind of bizarre to me to think back about this, but I used to um, just give, give, give to my employees too because bonuses and these different things, which is a good thing, but out of feeling that guilt. And, And the really weird thing about it was is that I noticed that oftentimes they didn't really appreciate it. You know, I I was trying to give them something Mm. to kind of fix myself. To take care of your own feelings of shame. And maybe the thing I was giving them wasn't something they even wanted. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'd I'd give them a car to drive, for example, Mm -hmm. some of my key employees, and they didn't really want that when it came down to it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just really strange. So Mm -hmm. I've Mm -hmm. had to, I've really had to learn a lesson about that, that uh, it's available to them and I'll help them if they, if they want the help, but, uh, you know, it really has to come from them. And and I don't have to worry about this, you know. And and something too, I want to say really quick, is that it's a trap you can fall into in business, where you feel like you have to compete with everybody. So if you see a competitor coming along and they're kind of getting into your market, we we tend to almost have this fear and like, oh no, he's going to take over my market, and I have to do things to battle with him and and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And that you just <laughs> fall into a trap. There's plenty of room for everybody, and uh, there's always a way for you to have your little. Niche, scarcity, niche. scarcity just eats at you. Yeah, and it creates all kinds of of behaviors in you that are counterproductive to your success. Whereas if you have an abundant mindset, like you're saying, Rick, you know, you can look at it and say, "Well, there's plenty here." Um, here's another thing, though. And I had a discussion with another client just earlier this week along the same lines, and he was feeling a lot of fear. Mm. Because of competition or perceived, you know, here's somebody coming in on my turf. I felt that. Uh, And what it comes down to is a belief about yourself. Okay, what if you believe that you really are adding the kind of value to people's lives that they don't want to see go away ever? Yep. If you really had that kind of confidence, would you fear any competition? No. You know, here's something I thought of, too, that helped me see that clearer as I'm remodeling my studio, for example. Mm -hmm. I realized, finally, that, I mean, we tend to focus on ourselves and say, well, look at this studio I'm getting. And like you said, people will point their finger and say he thinks he's better. But when it comes down to it, when you think about it, each of those items that I get for the studio, each of the pieces of construction material, that all had to be made by somebody. 
and and you can follow it all the way down the line. You can think about well, how how was this? Uh, I've heard the story. Think of a battleship and all the pieces that go into it. But think of the studio mm-hmm. even. Somebody has a job making the door because mm-hmm. I'm choosing to remodel my studio. Somebody is able to work because they've chosen they want to be a painter, and now I'm giving them work. And if you mm-hmm. look at it that way, look at all of the benefit that we give to people by getting something that we want to have. So not pursuing your dream is an extremely selfish thing to do. It really is when you think about it. <laughs> look at all those jobs you're taking away from people. <laughs> well, not only that, what's your dream for? What the heck are you going to do with this studio, Rick? I'm going to help people, really. Are you going to improve anyone's <laughs> life? A lot of people. And, and that's why I say that, you know, to not pursue your dream is one of the most selfish things you could ever do. Right. Comfort is for you. Your dream is for other people in so many ways. And there's this neat little side benefit that you get to live your dream if you exactly. <laughs> accomplish it. But it's not all about you. And if you can give up this whole selfish approach of, gosh, you know, I just want to be comfort, comfortable. And that might mean I don't want to feel shame. I don't want to think that somebody's judging me. And you know what? It, it's kind of goofy to think that way anyway, because people are going to think whatever they're going to think. Right. This is a dilemma that entrepreneurs have, and especially those who become successful. You, you step out of the anonymous role that you had before. See, anybody in mediocrity is pretty anonymous. That's right. And people don't have a reason to form an opinion about you if you're anonymous. If you step out and do something really cool, people will have a reason to form an opinion of you. Yep. And haven't you had both positive and negative responses? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, I've had lawsuits, and, and those lawsuits, for example, came because... Of, lawsuits, you terrible person. Uh, I know, and I, I felt... I, I, I was known, I, I can say I was known in my industry for being... Uh, for having integrity, for being you know the honest guy that people could You're work with. You're pretty scrupulous, aren't you? Yeah, and th- and then when <laughs> these lawsuits came along, I thought, oh, I just I just fell apart. You know, I I must be a terrible person. I must be all these things. And then I realized that well, here are people with this competitive mind wanting to force an issue to you know get what they want. And um, anyway, don't want to go into that because I don't want to focus on the negative. But, uh, well, there's some, some real utility to this particular example, though. Here's something that, that uh, people might fear, actually. And they may not move forward. In fact, you know what? Gosh, Rick, I had an experience just this week where, where Vicki and I were talking about some changes we wanted to make in some of our business operations. Mm-hmm. And the idea came up, well, wait a minute. What if we get sued for that? Mm. Okay, because it's possible. Oh yeah, you can get sued for anything, mm. right? Oh yeah. <laughs> what if we don't move forward because we fear the lawsuit? Well, and and here's what I thought too. I I actually thought of getting out of the music business. I thought, okay, I, I don't want to deal with this, and so I started talking to people, and I said, uh, maybe I should be like my accountant. Maybe what I found out is that everybody's getting sued. <laughs> You'll get sued. My accountant will get sued. It doesn't matter what you're in these days. So, yeah, you can't let that stop you. Got a few more ideas about that. We'll come right back to it. Hi, this is Jason Adams, one of the co-founders of Cashflowparadigm.com. 
The created cash flow paradigm is a way to help others look at money differently. What are your beliefs about money? Is it good or bad? Many people have beliefs that limit their control over money and don't even realize it. The thing most people don't realize is that their beliefs about money greatly affect the amount of money and prosperity they have. It's all about your paradigm. Come play a fun game with us called Cashflow 101 created by best-selling author Robert Kiyosaki. Come meet new people and check your paradigm as we learn principles that govern our personal and financial lives while having fun together. Currently, we are holding monthly game nights in Provo and St. George, Utah. Go to our website at www.cashflowparadigm.com to register for upcoming events. That's www.cashflowparadigm.com. This is Kirk Weasler to tell you about morebetterbooks.com. Morebetterbooks.com is where you can find more better books for a more better life. Not only that, let me tell you about some of the very fun and cool select titles on morebetterbooks.com. You'll want to get a copy of The Dog Poop Initiative. This best-smelling book could change your life forever. It certainly changed the lives of thousands of Boeing employees, as well as school teachers, parents, leaders across the United States and in Israel and in Germany. And you can get your own copy at morebetterbooks.com. Whoa, that's not all. What about The Cookie Thief? This classic tale told in a rhyming format, fully illustrated with very fun hit messages. Pick up a copy now today on morebetterbooks.com. Other great titles there, Finding Your Pathway to Mastery, Beyond Illusions, Make It Great. These titles are only available on morebetterbooks.com. Go to morebetterbooks.com today and begin to have a more better life and live that life on purpose. Okay, you've got me fired up about a couple of things now. <laughs> you and I have, have both been in a position before where what it is that we're doing is generating some very strong feelings in other people Yep. and in opposition. And for, uh, I don't know if I've told you this, uh, I used to, to do a lot of work in the courts I didn't know that. In uh, child custody cases. Hmm. And that's nasty. I went into this stuff. I was appointed by the court to be an evaluator. Okay, people divorce. They hate each other's guts now. They can't figure out how to share the kids. That's the brief version. Hmm. (laughs) Okay, but their kids are the most important thing in their life. Yeah. So they're very passionate about it. And they are very, very invested in selling me on their story. Mm, of course. Okay, because I'm going in and tell the judge, hey, here's how we ought to do this. Mm-hmm. So I go into this knowing full well that I'm going to tick off at least half of the people. <laughs> and usually everybody's a little upset with the outcomes. Mm-hmm. And I had to develop a thick skin, you know, to not take it personally. And maybe this is one of those principles of how to be successful when you really want to to move forward in this world and do something big. And entrepreneurs are like that. They want to get out there and make a difference in the world. But like we were talking about before the break, the thing that you sacrifice in doing that is your anonymity. Yep. And you suddenly become the target of people's opinions. 
and they will form those opinions. You don't even get to control that. Yeah. You know, I, um, like I said, I, w- I was pretty well known in the industry for, for being honest, but uh, I also have become known uh, by the publishers for being um, the one person who got in their way. <laughs> and uh, I, uh, I actually got blacklisted, so I, I was having oh, really? real problems getting uh, licensing after a while because they were trying to establish a, a precedent in the industry for a new type of license. And I actually got in their way, and I actually made new law uh, it could be argued, um, because I got judgments against them when they tried suing me. Um, and I was just in their way. And so mm-hmm. it got to the point where you or any of your listeners could go out and get the licenses that they needed for karaoke. I couldn't <laughs> because they'd Uh-oh. hear my name. Oh, and I was the blacklist and, and I was in their way and, and boy, I, they were trying to shut me down. It was, mm-hmm. it was terrible. And I, again, at first I took it personally and and even and and one of the opposing attorneys after a deposition one time said, "Hey, it's not personal; it's just business." And that made me so angry because it was personal to me. Then after a while, I realized it isn't personal. Uh, they were trying to establish something, mm-hmm. and I happened to get in their way. Um, unfortunately, being an honest person, <laughs> and that's just the way it goes. And uh, so I've had to sort of um, spend the last couple of years just staying alive, really. And so, yeah, you've got Pritis Music, mm-hmm. which is still out there. And if you go to Pritis.com, the, um, the little place where you buy the songs isn't available right now. So I had to start a new company called ProSound Music. And if you go to SingProSound.com, now you can find all of our songs. But mm-hmm. um, the reason is because I got blacklisted. But instead of just curling up in a ball and saying I'm quitting, I found another way to, to keep going. Mm-hmm. This opposition that you encounter, I think, comes from from a new or a different idea. And sometimes there are people or companies, which is just a group of people, mm-hmm. but there are people who are so fond of or attached to the old ideas that they don't want to see the new thing come in. They might feel threatened by that. But anything that is better... Yeah, is different. Yeah, and and really the people that were opposed to me, uh, they were afraid of the new technology. Really, they weren't afraid of me. Mm-hmm. It was they didn't know what to do with it, because it used to be you'd have little records and and they knew just what to do with that. But now you've got podcasts like this. You've got mm-hmm. downloading. You've got uh, just a myriad of different technologies, and they're they're really running scared. They didn't know what to do with that. So. Um, I just lost my train of thought, so go ahead. <laughs> well, as you were saying that, though, there's there's a, another book that I think has been highly influential in, in the lives of a lot of entrepreneurs, and it's called Good to Great by Jim Collins. Hmm. And one of the points that uh, Collins makes in his book is that you have to face the harsh realities and don't become so attached to your traditional way of doing things or thinking things that you that you won't face the harsh realities of the world as the world changes and as new ideas come in, things are going to change. So I, I commented earlier, Rick, that I've been buying Prittis Music since you sold cassette tapes. Long time. I still have those kicking around somewhere. <laughs> I don't even know if I have something to play yeah, them on anymore. <laughs> and you shared with me during one of the breaks or before the show that uh, that you purchased some equipment 
right it allowed you to to replicate these tapes in a way that mm-hmm. that was efficient and allowed you to do it would you just share that with our listeners right uh yeah we had some cassette duplicating equipment and when i first got it i was i thought i was just i, State I was there of the art, State of the art. Yeah, yeah everything was great now uh came to the point where no i couldn't give away cassettes anymore and i thought well maybe i could sell this and and get a little bit out of it. Nobody wanted to buy it. I even tried giving it away to DI, uh, Desert Industries, which locally here is, you know, the, uh-huh. the where you make contributions. I thought, well, maybe some third world country would benefit from this. They wouldn't even accept it. Mm-hmm. I had to throw it in the garbage. I, I tried to get a little bit of money from uh, the metal. <laughs> That's all I could do with it. It's amazing. Uh, so right. things change. So what would have happened if you would have clung jealously to the techniques and the traditional ways that you had been doing those things, uh, well, we wouldn't yeah. be having this conversation today. Yeah, you can't do it. You have to. You have to kind of go with it. And you know. And then I, I remember now what I was going to say earlier too, and and that is that uh, when I started out with this opposition, I really fought it. I, I've discovered that I just have to kind of go with it and not fight against it. Um, in fact, my attorneys have always been kind of surprised that in the end, um, I, I. I I'm religious, and I and I mm-hmm. like this scripture that it would would come to mind when I think, what am I going to do in this settlement we're trying to work out? And there's a scripture that says, um, "Agree with agree with thine adversary quickly while you're in the way oh, with him." Oh yes. And so I, I took on that approach. I just said, "Okay, I'm I'm not going to fight this, and I'm just going to move on." Mm-hmm. It's been such a, a blessing to me to do that. Uh, it, it anytime I've fought, anytime I've tried to go against the current, just like you're saying, trying to hold on to old technology or trying to fight against these people who are trying to get me to do something, or I just say, mm-hmm. okay, if you don't want me to do it that badly, it's it isn't really going to be to my benefit to fight you, and so I'll just go mm-hmm. another way. I'll just go around it this way, and uh, oh man, mm-hmm. what a difference! It's made a big difference in your life. Big difference. The, and it, uh, it doesn't hurt me, you know. It could hurt my pride. But if I let my pride go, it, it, it doesn't hurt me. Mm-hmm. This benefits me. That's uh, th- that just brings all kinds of images to my mind. I I, I had an experience. Oh, it was uh, years ago, probably at least a decade ago, when I became familiar with a. Um, I think it was uh, I think it was Bill Moyers who does some of these documentary things mm-hmm. for PBS and other places, and he was doing one on healing and the mind. And you can probably go Google that and find it if you want to look at it. But uh, he was talking about some of the, some of the Eastern uh, Asian traditions for like martial arts and things like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, the point that, that came to mind as you were saying that, sometimes we try to resist things and get hurt in the process. Right. So this particular, I can't even remember, it might have been Tai Chi or something like that, and I, I apologize for not having a, a more conversant knowledge of that, but uh, in this particular form of martial arts, the whole idea was to yield strategically hmm. and to absorb the energy of that opposition in a way that doesn't hurt you and and it really disables your opponent. Hmm. You take away the punch Interesting. that way. And so instead of resisting strongly, you know, if you, and you can picture this. If I were to throw a punch at you and you resisted it, that might hurt you. Right. But if you were able to just sort of take it and, and yield with it, mm-hmm. 
that's the image that I got as you were talking about that. Have, have you changed the way you handle lawsuits? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I, I was... You pet, freaked out at the first petrified one, Petrified the first one. Oh, mm-hmm. I, I thought life, life is over. And, and I, I lay awake at night, and I thought... I, I imagined all sorts of things, my whole life coming to an end. Mm-hmm. Um, then I... I don't know if I said this earlier, but uh, about a year ago, I actually had three lawsuits delivered to me in one day. Oh, boy. And I don't have that many lawsuits. I've had four or five but um, with these issues. But um, I actually laughed at the end of the day. Uh-huh. <laughs> I thought, wow, this is real. This is, somebody's really trying to do something here to me. But um, totally turned it around and, and just mm-hmm. said, I'm, I'm going to choose to not focus on this. I'm going to turn it over to my attorneys, tell them to not mm-hmm. focus too much on it, just do what has to be done. Don't, don't fight it. Just, you know, yeah. just, just do what has to be done. And, and wow, what a difference. Mm. You know, and I, I didn't stay up at night thinking about it. And, and things came along, just like we've been talking about earlier, that um, solved the problems. You know, things would come up at the last minute that took care of it. Well, the opposition is not the problem. And if you can reframe it in your, in your own mind, you know, we're all going to come up against opposition. It's just part of the package. Yep. And resistance is really the only thing that allows you to get traction. And you can see this clearly if you were to suspend yourself from the ceiling, how hard would it be to walk? Yeah. You've got to have some opposition or resistance there. Rick, how, how can people get uh, connected with what it is you're doing? Where, what direction well, would you send them? Uh, you can find our music on iTunes. Uh, that's where most people get it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go to prittis.com, P-R-I-D-D-I-S.com. But like I said, uh, it's not totally up and running as far as getting uh, That's music. not where they'll find the product. Yeah, you'll find the product on uh, singprosound.com at Sing this point. Singprosound.com. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, uh, and, you know, and you can get a phone number and you can call us if you need to as well. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, we're still out there and we're still kicking and uh, and uh, the mm-hmm. storm is uh, pretty much over now. and, uh, and <laughs> At uh, least that one. Yeah. And, uh, and so we're continuing on. And if people want to contact you directly, there's, I noticed on your website, a contact link. And Yes. Uh, you, you can email me at, at rick at com if you wanted to contact okay. me personally. And that's P-R-I-D-D-I-S. Correct. Dot com. Pridis.com. Mm-hmm. Rick, thank you so much for being a part of this show today. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. I've enjoyed this discussion, and I think that uh, your experience in dealing with... Uh, uh, we're calling it Adventures in Entrepreneurism. It sure has been an adventure. It's certainly sure. been valuable to you, but you know what? It's not just about you, because there's other people dealing with this too, and I just appreciate your willingness to share your story. I'm glad to help. Great. Well, I'm going to encourage everybody to go out there and live on purpose. Do something with this information today that's going to create more freedom in your life and in that of others. Thanks for being with us.